to one and all here today and to those joining us on our podcast service, whether you've come by Spotify, Podbeam or our Facebook, a, a big welcome to each and every one of you. And uh, as there was bread in the, made available or manna made available to them in the wilderness, I pray that there will be fresh bread for you here this morning. There's nothing like fresh bread, is there? And there's nothing quite like stale bread either, is there? <laughs> they say there's nothing better than fresh fish, but there's nothing worse than fish that is a few days old, is there? So I pray that's fresh bread today, amen? Straight out of the oven, straight out of the oven. I'd like if we would to go to the Gospel uh, of Luke in chapter 15. And uh, it's all written in red, the whole chapter. So it's Jesus speaking, and, um, and in it, in, we're in the middle of all the parables, amen? Who knows what a parable is? We know it's a, it's a story which has a, a spiritual truth. And in the Hebrew mindset and ours, what we're to do with a parable is look for who we are in that parable, amen? So it tells a story, and in this chapter we see the parable of the lost sheep. And we see the parable of the lost coin. And we also, Priscilla also made mention of it in her welcome, there is also the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, amen? And so that's what I'll be talking about this morning, the prodigal son. And uh, which really is a story of a loving father and two sons. We, also, we always major on the son who went astray, but we rarely talk about the son who was left at home and basically by the end of this parable, he needs, he's basically in the wilderness himself, isn't he? But we always talk about the youngest son because his sins are out there for all to see. And so, so many of us know here that a, a parable really reveals a spiritual truth that we might learn from the story in an illustrated way. And so, to paraphrase, actually, it's, it's not a very long, I'll just read those few verses, and uh, it puts everybody in the picture. So, reading from verse 11, then he said, this is Jesus, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So, he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So the word prodigal means wild and wasteful. That's what the word prodigal means. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he begins to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. Again he was lost and is found and began to be merry. Some people finish off reading there, but I'd like to go to the second section because the oldest son, as it appears in the story, was just as lost as the younger. Now his oldest son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. And would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. It's a great story, isn't it? So there was once a good and righteous dad. There was nothing wrong with dad, amen? Dad is the hero of the story, as is our father God. He is always the hero of the story. And he lived in a land with his two sons whom he loved very much. And the sons helped the father manage the property and the workers. And they were trained to take over the family business. They were trained. And so the oldest son was obedient, quiet and hard working. And the youngest son, you know, he looked fairly, he was a pretty good son. He was there on the sheep property. Amen. How do you reckon that looks? This church gave me this hat, you know, in 2016. A beautiful, it's a sheep keeper's hat, isn't it? It's not a cattle cocky's hat, is it? I don't even know the difference, but that's what they told me, amen? But the older son was obedient, quiet and hard working. But the younger son, you know, he was adventurous. I'm the youngest of three sons myself. Always the bit of the cheeky one, amen? Always the yakka. Always had more to say than all the others. I was smaller than all the others, but that didn't make me quiet. Amen? Oh, they had a nickname for me. I forget what it was right now. Squark, I think it was called. Squark. (laughs) Things don't change much, do they? Still squarking. But he was full of life, but he was impatient. And the younger said to his father, Hey, Dad, I've been thinking about some things, the way you do things around here. I I reckon I could make a whole lot of improvements, but I don't want to impose. You've done a pretty good job. And, uh, and I've, been, uh, I've been thinking, uh, Dad, you and my brother, you are, you're kind of old school. I've got a few ideas of my own, amen? I'd like to express myself a little bit. I've got a few rights of my own which I want to express as well. And uh, so I want to go and do some living. So I thought if I could, if I could, you know, if I could have the cash that is really due to me now, I'd really like it to have it up front, Amen? And so, by Jewish law, the older brother always got two-thirds. There was always a succession in the family business. 
and the younger would get one third. So a farm, most farms are worth a couple of million dollars these days, I would say. So he was pretty cashed up, I would say, and he would have paid him out three to six hundred thousand bucks, I suppose. And so he says, I'll just get going on my way. And, um, but anyway, instead of picking up the money after you die, I wouldn't mind if I just had it now, amen? That was okay with you, I'll be on my way. And uh, you know I've got rights too, you know. I know where I stand in regard to all this stuff. So, But I was talking to a young man one day on a job site and uh, he was explaining to me that he needed to, you know, this young lad wanted to experience things in life, amen? And I said to this young bloke I was working with, you have to experience everything? He says, oh, yes. I said, stand on that chair and take that light globe out and stick your finger in it and I'll turn the switch on. I says, trust me, there are some things you do not need to experience. Is there some people, young people, am I speaking to anybody here today? You think, oh, I just got to go and experience it for myself. Oh, I've been told it's probably not that good for me, but I want to know for myself. Well, by all means, after the service, I'll show you that chair and I'll lead you to the light globe. Amen? It's ridiculous, isn't it? But I said, that's exactly right. There are some things in life that you just don't need to experience. And so for your own protection and safety, I always say learn from those uh, that God has placed around your life. Amen? Learn from those. He says, "A, a smart man will learn from his mistakes. But a wise man, he'll learn from someone else's mistakes, amen? Sits back and watches the show and goes, yeah, that's, what it, that's the difference between wise and smart, amen? And so there is a big difference. A smart man will learn. And so we as parents, we don't always give to the car keys to a child when he's five years old, amen? There is a time and a place when responsibilities are dispensed to people, Amen? And sometimes impatience, we want to rush ahead of God or we want to pull back and dig up in our heels. But the walk with God is side by side. It's our hand in his hand and we walk with God. Not in front nor behind, amen? That is our place. And the Ecclesiastes put it this, puts it this way. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the sun. There is times and seasons in our life, and we go, well, hurry up. (laughs) That's just part of us, isn't it? That's our flesh nature. But there are times and seasons. So the young man received his inheritance, packed a few things, and was on his way, and he left his father's house. Who's ever left your father's house? I'm talking about even now leaving the house of God, amen? Who's ever left the father's house? It's often a sad day. I've found when people run, they always run into the wilderness. They never run into a greener pasture. Doesn't even matter if it looks greener. By the time they get there, it is not. And so he threw off his hat, amen? He threw off this hat. He didn't need it. It was too dignified, that hat, amen? And he wore his father's robe of righteousness and he pulled that off as well. didn't need that. Amen. He threw off that robe of righteousness, didn't need it at all. And he left the property on a road called the New and Living Way, which was just down the road. 
And he got onto the highway of holiness. He had always walked that way. So we knew that road, which was the main road he'd always travelled on. And he left the sheep country and he took a sharp left. Amen? Remember the Lord says, I'll put some on my right and some on my left. Well, he took a hard left. Have a look at our politics. Take a hard left and you'll always enter, enter into a barren place. Amen? And he headed for a far country following some goats on the highway. Have you seen any goats? Amen? Goats in Scripture are never described as anything good. They're always, in fact, described as something quite demonic. And he took a way that he, he'd not known that way before. But he, but he noticed there was plenty of people going that way. He was now taking a way along that everybody else seemed to be going on, but a way that his father had never instructed him. When you leave the ways of God, when you leave your father's house, you will, you will find plenty of company. But that doesn't make it right. When everybody else is doing it, is a, alarm bells should be going off. Amen? I call it the coffee grinder experience. When you've got inner turmoil within, is somehow the peace of God has departed, reflect on what you're doing in your life and don't medicate it. <laughs> a lot of people are in a state of depression because of the lifestyle they are now living, trying to medicate something that is obviously not right. Amen? But he threw off that robe and he began to think, oh... And so, um, but there are many things that you can, that can take you from your father's house. Many things. It's almost like a, as you get a hook put in your jaw and you get dragged out of your father's house because of impatience, rebellion, resentfulness, the pointing of the finger and unforgiveness. All these things can take you out of your father's house. They can take you out of the Father's house. He left the property on the road called the New and Living Way, got onto the highway of holiness, and then began to go. And then Matthew 7.13 says, in regard to the number of people that were accompanying him now, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by that road. Amen? So if you want to leave your Father's house, there are plenty of people who will accompany you. But I always ask people, are those same people going to stand with you before God the Father and save you at that time? They will be amazingly not there. We stand alone. We stand alone. All those people, somebody says, some, some, uh, a father may say to his kid, oh, don't, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to serve God. But will he stand with you at the time of the throne of judgment? He won't be there. He won't be there. Your workmates, oh, you don't need that. Are they going to be there? Uh, they will not be there. You will stand alone. You and I will stand alone before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? And our only defense attorney that will pass you or bring you through to victory is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who's never lost a case. He's never lost a case. When he pleads the blood over our sinful lives and we're all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, I'm in the same boat as you are. All have sinned. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen? It's Isaiah 4, uh, Isaiah 4, 6 and 7. But he must have thought, I don't know where I'm going, but any road will get me there. Amen? 
A lot of people with no vision for their life, and when you lose a vision for God in your life, you basically go into a place of no vision. Amen? Like Samson started off with a vision, then he got two pictures and got dye vision, and then they put out his eyes and he had no vision at all. When we begin to leave the Father's house, we lose vision. Amen? We lose vision. And, uh, but any road will get you there. He was cashed up and cruising. Amen? But he put off that robe of righteousness and he began to think, oh, wow, I can start off my own. He said to his father, I'm going to go and start my own business. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We've all heard of those stories. But really, by the time he's got a pocket full of money, that was the last thing on his mind. Amen? He put, on, put off that robe of righteousness and, wow, he got into party mode. Amen? Oh, yes. Here it is now. Oh, this is lovely, isn't it? This is my party shirt. This is my party shirt, amen. I don't know, rebellion's got a bit of a look to it, hasn't it? He put off that hat, he got his own hat. Amen. He got his own hat. For those watching on, um, listening to Podbeam, you can hear this. This is a, a lady's beautiful shoe. Yeah, what else have I got here? Oh, now you might think this looks like Monopoly money, but this is hard cash, amen? <laughs> 600 grand of hard cash over here, amen? And what else have I got here? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what have I got here? Oh, I smell gorgeous. Oh, this is exciting, isn't it? Doesn't it always initially look fantastic, amen? Oh, he got the cigarettes out. And he was drinking. Who's ever done any of that? Who's done any of this? Hey, gets the joint out. Oh, that's old school now, isn't it? What do they do now, all this other stuff? And he was amazed at just how many friends he had, amen? People say, I've got no friends. They said, probably you're walking the highway of holiness. That's why a lot of Christians say, I don't have a lot of friends. There is a good reason for that, amen? And that is a testimony to the highway of holiness that you're walking on. It is not something that you should be condemned by, amen? I'm just trying to get some of this monopoly money, sorry. It's not Monopoly money, I said that. <laughs> Here it is. Amen. Oh. 600 grand. That's what 600 cash looks like, okay? That's what it looks like. <laughs> That's enough out of the peanut gallery. Hey? <laughs> eh? Amazing, eh? I want to ask you today, and I've asked it before, are the things that you are living were for worth what Christ died for? Amen? Are the things that we are living for right now, eh? young blokes out there, eh? young women out there, eh? it smells good, it looks good, it feels good, but the heart above all things, all the world always says, oh, trust your heart, oh, trust your heart. But the Bible says... 
that the heart above all things is most, most deceitful. It will trick you quicker than anything because your heart will appeal directly to your flesh, amen? Your flesh nature, amen, which rages against God. Your flesh nature, your natural tendencies, rage against and are at enmity with God. They war against each other. And so within you is a spiritual man and a flesh man. And the one that will win is the one that you feed. You can feed your flesh man. Oh, yes. A little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of attitude and a little bit of rebellion and a little bit of partying. And it's a toxic mix that will take you down a porcelain facility. Amen? Quicker than anything. Quicker than anything. Quicker than anything. Oh, Jesus, today. The Bible says that the young man wasted all the money he had spent, everything that his father had given him. But in that place where he ran to, which he thought was greener and wider and broader and more prosperous than the place that he left, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in great need. And the day of reckoning always comes. It says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Amen? It's inevitable. Even though we're riding this wave and we think all is hunky-dory. Amen? So having nowhere to go, the Bible says in verse 15 that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. In other words, he became unequally yoked. And that is also beginning to serve foreign gods. Amen? Pagan gods beginning to begin to mix all his life and be happy to do so with people who have no faith in God. Amen? If you have no enjoyment with hanging around people of faith, why do you want to go to heaven when it's going to be filled with believers? Amen? Isn't that an interesting question? I don't like, I don't like, you know, I've got my own church, the Holy Trinity I've talked about for, before, me, you, and YouTube. What a Holy Trinity that is. But he joined himself to another house and worked as the lowest of servants, feeding the pigs, though the pigs ate better than he did. We're talking about a Jewish boy here, yeah? and it is not kosher, even to this day, uh, to have pork, amen? And to feed pigs was an absolute abomination. Not for us as Gentiles, no, it's not. There's nothing wrong, all things are sanctified, but I'm talking about to the Jewish people. In fact, the first thing I did when I got back from Israel was have bacon and eggs. <laughs> I hadn't had it for three months. <laughs> I couldn't get it. Oh, Jesus, today help us. Amen. But when we disjoin or cut ourselves off from the Father's house, you will join yourself to another house. It's, there is no void in the Spirit. You will, your, heart, your heart's allegiance will be claimed by something. Amen. It will be claimed by something. As in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10.32, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you think, well, what's that mean? But you see, Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And so he left the city of the great king, like this parable of the prodigal son. When you leave the city of the great king, your father's house, he went down to Jericho. Amen? Mark my words, there is always trouble when you leave the city of the great king. In your father's house. All the blessings of heaven are there for you. And sometimes you don't realize what you got till it's gone. 
And that was portrayed in this young man's life. When we walk out of the Father's kingdom, we will walk into another kingdom. I ask you today, on a day-to-day basis, not just on a Sunday, but what kingdom are you walking in? What kingdom are you walking in? If you are not in your Father's kingdom, then who is your king? Isn't that an interesting question to ask myself? If I am not serving the king of kings, then which king am I serving? And who do you serve today? Amen? Oh, it's a powerful message. The greatest prayer today is that you would make Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, your king, and him only would you serve. Is it a popular decision? No, it is not, because we live in a Christ-hating world. And to make friendship with the world is at enmity with God. When we constantly, as a church, try to appeal to the world, like the world, we don't have to be like the world to win the world, amen? We have to understand that the cross is a, is a, is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. To every culture on the earth, the cross is an absolute stumbling stone and is offensive. To every culture on the earth, the cross is offensive, amen? Every culture, every single culture. But the story goes on to say that after nearly starving to death and working with festy pigs, which ate better than he did, he realized that his own father's servants ate better than he did as well. And so, but the memory of his father's goodness flooded back into his very, very being. When you're in the pit, amen, the memory of your father's goodness, his lovingness, his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his hand which was extended to you even in the depths and depravity of sin. Romans 2.4, the Apostle Paul says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Is repentance a bad thing? No, repentance is a good thing. In 1992, I found myself on the, my bedroom floor absolutely wallowing in tears because I was, in my heart, I, I knew that I had my lifestyle and everything that I represented grieved the heart of God, absolutely grieved the heart of God. And that repentance saw me come to Christ, amen? And it was the goodness of God that led me to repentance. And so when we pray for our family, when we pray for this city, we pray, Lord, grant in your mercy this city of people, my family, a spirit of repentance. Amen? Repentance got you saved, and repentance will keep you saved. Amen? You don't repent of sins that have already been forgiven. No. We are the king's kid, and he has given us, reinstated us. Amen? We repent, though, a lifestyle of keeping short accounts with God. Amen? And so, but the Bible says in verse 17, when he came to himself, And sometimes we have to be not at the bottom rung of the ladder, but under the ladder when we came to ourselves. The Living Bible puts it when he finally came to his senses. Turn to the person next to you and just say, have you come to your senses? (laughs) Have you come to your senses, brother? Have you come to your senses, sister? Amen? It's a great question to ask. Have you come to your senses? Have you come to the young man? Then he did come to his senses, and uh, 
But how many of us would have said, how on earth did I get myself into this mess? It's called life. Amen? And God is a God of the second chance. He is the God of the third chance. He is the God of the fourth chance. You don't want to be messing with it all the time. But when you blow it, God is not a God of limited grace, but it is unlimited grace. On Wednesday night, I preached about the sin of Manasseh and the soon coming revival of Josiah. I pray that you listen to that message. I pray that you do. Because it's a message that instills hope in the midst of the depravity of the age in which we live. There is soon a coming Josiah revival. And I pray that I'm looking at King Josiah's all over the place. Because you are the answer and the miracle that this community needs. Amen? But how many people here would have ever said to themselves, how did I ever get myself into this mess? Well, there's two there. There's two there. Do I have any? Inv- the three, four, five, six, seven. They're coming in now. A few on it. Oh, we. that's it. We all have blown it. Every single one of us. How do you think I feel as a preacher of the gospel when I know that I too have blown it so many times? It's a humbling experience for me to bring the message of the gospel knowing too that I fall far short of its highest ideals because I'm human too, amen? If anybody's got some criticism for me, it's totally justified, amen? I will only agree with you. It went real quiet then. But I'm reminded in, the, in this time of, in Luke 21, 28, when you're in the midst of the pig swill, and Jesus says, look up and rejoice, for your redemption draws nigh, amen? Look up and rejoice. You and I can rejoice when we're blown at big time. You come to God in repentance. Lift up your head, out of your hands, in your situation where Satan's sin and circumstances cause you to be, and look to God because help and strength is on its way when you do, Amen? Help and strength is on its way. When you call upon your God, he will no wise cast you out. Amen? And so the young man came to his senses. He turned around, which means he repented of his sin. I've said before, repentance is not just verbal. I call it sometimes verbal diarrhea. Amen? People can talk and talk and talk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But repentance looks like something and it means an absolute 180 degree turn. That is repentance. Saying I'm sorry and keeping on going is not repentance. It might make you feel good. It may, you think, might ease your situation. And so... But he had left for that country and made his way back home from the highway of hell. He may have been whistling, you know, he began to sing a tune when he left his father's house, whistled a tune. (laughs) Amen? Got some attitude, pocket full of money, arrogance, attitude. How do you do that? Attitude. Amen? Attitude. It looks like something, doesn't it? Rebellion has got attitude with it, amen? Rebellion looks like something. But so does humility, amen? So does humility. I think he might have started throwing his hat off by the time he started walking down that road 
He was on the highway to hell, but he got back up on that road to the highway of holiness. Amen? He started to look and these don't look so cool anymore. Amen? It felt good for a while. That's what the sin is like. It feels so good. But he was saved from the pig swill and the miry clay. And he was saved from the uttermost to the outermost. Or he's saved to the outermost to the uttermost. Amen? From the depths of depravity and sin. King Manasseh, 55 years, the most wicked king, did the greatest thing that you could ever know. He repented. It was a beautiful thing. We just gloss over that, but the Manasseh, the most wicked king in the whole of Israel's history, repented and he was saved. He sent two of his kids, sacrificed them in the fire. Amen? There was not a thing that he did not, apostasy, that he did not lead his whole country into. Yet he cried out for repentance and a revival came to the land through his grandson. Amen? He repented. His own son who came to the throne did not, but his grandson, whom he was able to instill goodness and holiness and righteousness as a young boy king, rose up and became and went against the tide of depravity and debauchery and led his country back to a revival. Amen. That is the King Josiah revival that I am expecting is on its way. Amen. I'm believing for that. You see, it's not what we are just saved from, but what we are saved to, that is the amazing thing. He was saved from the pig swill and the pit and saved. And that's what we are. We are saved from hell, but and saved to heaven. We speak much of heaven, eh? but what are we saved from? And so saved from the pig swill. His mind was plagued and still crippling with thoughts. He was rehearsing, the Bible says, I will say to my father. So he was working up the words that he would say to his father. His mind was in an absolute turmoil, amen, and crippling thoughts, but he had nothing to lose because he had already lost all. And sometimes you and I have to come to the place of just about losing everything or everything that dying that dying that we heard in the communion message. But when you die to self, when you surrender to God, which is the bravest thing you can do, in the eyes of the world, surrender is not. It's a sign of having lost. But when you surrender to Jesus and you say, Lord, I have blown a big time, that is the place of power. Amen? And the grave has always been the mark of resurrection power. Something actually has to die for their resurrection power to come into your life. He left home as a son and was returning now as a servant. He had left with riches and returned bankrupt. He left home with vision and hope. I did it my way, said Frank Sinatra. And it was, in fact, the last song that he ever sang. It was. And I have found that anybody who has sung that song, it has nearly always been their last. I did it my way. And returned in brokenness and despair. He had made his decision. But what? But that is what it takes. And there are, today in this house, there are people who need to make a decision. Saying a prayer, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, is a prayer. But to be a disciple of Christ, it takes some guts. And, it makes, and there is a decision and a lifestyle that follows. Amen? Amen? Tough. The Bible says that the role of the church 
the Lord says, I will build my church, and the role of the church is to make disciples. So my question is, have you said a prayer? No. Are you a disciple of Christ? Do you have a prayer life? Do you read his word? Do you, are you found in the place of God and fellowship? Amen. These are signs of a being a disciple of Christ. And so well, that's what it takes. But the course of your eternal destiny can be guaranteed when you ask forgiveness of your sins and remain in a position of repentance. Amen. So will you ask, will you believe, and will you receive him today? There's the three things. Will you ask, will you receive, and will you believe? Amen? So the son now on the highway to holiness, and he was seen at a great distance by his father. Why? Because his father was looking for him. His brother, on the other hand, his older brother, didn't even know when he was back. He said, why, why are we having a party? He was not looking for his younger son. He was at home in his father's house in self-righteousness. You see, Jesus was speaking to the self-righteous Pharisees when he delivered this parable. And the idea of the parable is to, who are you in this story? For some of us, you will be a father, but at some stage, you were a prodigal son, and at some stage, you may be in the house, but not of the house. Self-righteousness is what Jesus, he was more scathing on the self-righteous Pharisees than he was on a prostitute or vile sinner. But as the son drew near, father could see the pain and the shame embedded into the face of the young man. Because life without God has a certain look. It is a terrible look, amen? People think they have everything, but they, the Bible says that they are wretched, poor, naked, and all those sorts of things. They have nothing. If you do not have Christ, you don't have anything. And so the father could not contain himself any longer. He ran and embraced his wayward son. He fell upon his neck, kissed him and so, and sobbed deeply. I could just see that picture, my son, my son, my son. The boy didn't have time for even him to say sorry before the father had already grabbed that robe and he put that robe back on him. Amen? Oh, I should... Uh... I should remove this party shirt totally. The robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness was reinstated, amen? Oh, it's good, isn't it? And you wear his robe of righteousness. It's not our robe. You see, it's his righteousness that we rejoice in. It says also that he gave him some sandals. And in, in the ancient Hebrew customs, a person would stand at the city gate, take off his sandal and slap it with the person who was purchasing the property. Amen? So it's a Hebrew custom to slap sandals. How exactly they do it, I don't know. I know I could find out. But, and so, but he gave him those sandals. In other words, his inheritance was restored. That's what it's significant of. It's also, he put a, thing, a ring on his finger, which means the family imprint or the family seal was reinstated also. Amen? And so if dad had a credit card, it means that the son's credit card was all okay. It was good. Okay, man? And so all these things were reinstated. The fatted calf reserved for special occasions, they had a barbecue. Amen? And it says in there in Hebrews 9.22 in another scripture, he says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. 
And so the removal, forgiveness, and the power of sin all dealt a fatal blow with the application of the blood. The fatted calf, the shedding of blood. In other words, the innocent suffering for and on behalf of the guilty. Amen? And so we know that the calf was innocent, and the calf was innocent, but its blood was shed. Amen? Indicating a seal once again of the blood covenant that God has with us through Jesus Christ. I mean, his blood was shed. And when the father placed, uh, placed his cloak and robe on him, he embraced him and fell upon his neck. And by Jewish law, by Jewish law in Deuteronomy, I've written it here somewhere, cannot find it. But by Jewish law, he sh- the young rebellious son should have been stoned. And so when the, when the father came and embraced his son, he would have shielded him, put his robe upon him, and he, the father would have taken the stones on behalf of the son. It's such a grand picture of the cross, amen? The innocent suffering for and on behalf of the guilty so that the guilty could go free. The Lord has placed his robe upon you and shielded us from the curse of the law, which would have required that all of us here would be stoned, amen? All of us. Because no one of us, not one of us, could uphold the law. Amen? Jesus took it all for us. The son was the object of his father's love, but the son was never there to receive it. How much does God love every single person here in the towers? But they are not here or have placed them in the place to be a recipient of the love of God. God never separates himself from us we separate ourselves from him. And I always say, the greatest move of God is when you make a step towards God. That is a move of God. Take a step towards Jesus today. Take a deeper step. And the Lord is always calling us to go deeper. Deep calls unto deep, the Bible says. We cut ourselves off from his provision and from his protection and from his love. And it is never a question of if God is on, on your side. It is always a question is, are you on God's side? That is really the question we should ask. Because we too are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And so the, the eldest son's response, I will gloss over this quickly, but it is a tragic story. The tragedy, the triumph of the story is in the prodigal son who came home. That is the story of triumph. But the tragedy is of the self-righteous son who remained home and yet could not even call his brother by his own name. And he said, your son, when he spoke to his father. The brother had totally disowned the son, amen? Totally disowned him. And in his own self-righteousness, he would perish. None of us can stand before the throne room of God based upon our own righteousness. We all need the blood of the cross. Amen? And so there is, I believe this parable, I was thinking about it this morning, illustrates the difference between transgression and iniquity more than any other parable. And you think, what's the difference between transgression and iniquity? And I see transgression as more like the sin of the prodigal son. The sin is there for everybody to see. It's all apparent. Amen? That's transgression. And But iniquity is far more deeply rooted and only surfaces from time to time. Unforgiveness. Amen? 
things like that. Unforgiveness lies just below the surface, and it comes out from time to time, and not everybody could see it. Harsh and bitter and critical attitudes below the surface. They are insidious, and they are what they would Bible calls iniquity. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, Jesus, as a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, addresses both transgression, that is all very visible and outward sin, and the inward sin of iniquity. And the insidious sin of iniquity is far more worse and deeper than the transgression of the prodigal son. Amen? If we can see this. It says in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's all the outward sin, all the very, very visible sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. And so we know the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. But the Bible says that he was whipped and lashed. So we had, there was external bleeding. But bruising is bleeding on the inside. Amen? When he was thrust with rods on his bones, there was internal bleeding. Amen? And that is not for transgression, but it is for our inward iniquitous sin. Amen? Can you see the difference? And the, the son that remained at home, the oldest son, his insidious sin of iniquity, sin that only surfaced every time and it only came out when he was... The, the Bible says that everybody in all these three parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son, and um, when the, they, they found the lost sheep and they said, friends and neighbours, uh, come and rejoice with me. So the lady... and so. The, the, the shepherd found his sheep. He was rejoicing and he called his friends and his neighbours to rejoice with him. In the parable of the lost coin, the woman lost those coins and when she found that friends and neighbours, she said, rejoice with me. So they all rejoiced. And now the dad, dad has killed the fatted calf and everybody, all the employees, everybody's rejoicing. The only person who is not rejoicing is the oldest son and it says he was angry. You see... Everybody thinks this is a story about the younger, wayward, crazy son. But really, when you have a look at it, the tragedy of this story is the sinful, iniquitous attitude that the eldest son remained. Yes, he was in the father's house, but he was not of the house. You see the difference? When you read these scriptures, we gloss over them very quickly. I do too. Sometimes I've got to read them so many times, so many times, and the penny drops, amen? And the Lord shows you these things. And so the eldest son said to his father that he never transgressed the law. That's what he said to his father. He said, Father, I have never transgressed the law. That means that outward sin towards his father. But he was certainly making up for it now, <laughs> wasn't he? The sin of the eldest son was, was tragic. And so, quick few lessons while Jules comes to the keys. So the eldest son, he was in the house but not of the house. Another one here is the grass is always greener on the other side. When you're tempted to take a shortcut and do stuff outside the will of God, know that the devil will always present you a situation which always looks glorious. Amen? Always. Be patient. Your father knows when it is the best time for you to receive your inheritance. To young people, the Lord knows your parents know the best time to give you the car keys. 
when you find yourself going with the multitudes, it feels so good and it feels so right. And, uh, but it does take courage and strength to flow against the stream. And that's what is believers. And it's going to get, unfortunately, it's going to get increasingly more difficult. But it is only difficult if you are not willing. Amen? But if you are willing and embrace this thing, this highway to hold the highway of holiness. Embrace it. You will find it when you give yourself to it, it will become so much more easier for us. Amen? Easier. Much easier. There's some people here today, and uh, you've come with your parents or a friend, and, and it's great that you've come. And uh, you may be a little brother or a little sister listening in online. And, uh, but we can't piggyback our way to heaven. Amen? None of us can. I had a couple of aunties who were nuns. Surely I've got a ticket into heaven. Amen? <laughs> My dad was going to become a priest a week before he got married. <laughs> Thank God he didn't. But there is no group or concession pass to heaven. There's not. It's an individual decision. And I don't go to heaven because I know someone in the good books with God or some distant relative who was in the good books. I go to heaven because I know in whom I have believed. Have you placed your faith in Jesus today? He is the one and the only one who died for your sins. The glorious thing in this story is the son that was lost and now is found. I love the story of the gospel. I love it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now. You like all my props today? Oh, there's some aftershave. It's called Boss. Hey, specs, 600 grand of cash, and a few other things. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this beautiful body of believers. Today, I pray, Lord, that there's a resolve, Lord, to walk the highway of holiness. It's not always an easy walk. But we walk together. Why? So we can encourage one another, so we can love one another, so that we can support one another. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. You said you would send the helper, the paraclete, and you have. And the Holy Spirit is there to call upon, to come alongside of us, to encourage us. Infuse us, Lord, with your power today. I pray in Jesus' name. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray. I'm going to pray this prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now. Forgive me, Lord God, of my sin. I have walked a wayward life, and I ask now that you forgive me. I've been feeding on pig swill and in the miry clay, and I pray, Lord, that you wash and cleanse me this day as white as snow with your blood. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I receive the Holy Spirit into my life. I thank you, Lord, that I'm born again of the Spirit of God. And I will live for you, Lord, till the day that you bring me home. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Amen. Thank you. Every tear you cry is precious in His eyes. Because of His great love. He gave his only son, everything was
Broken hearts, broken lives He will take them all 
Monster. 